Hi, everybody. Just a quick note from the editor. This is Kate. It's like four in the morning. And I just wanted to preface this episode telling you that uh, I recorded this like overnight, kind of inadvertently. You can kind of hear Tugboat snoring in the background. I was researching and reading all about this. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to record a quick deep dive episode. I think this issue with uh, Jaclyn Hill cosmetics, uh, the lipstick launch, the quality defects, the potential safety hazards. It's a very interesting case study in terms of a very relevant sector of popular culture right now with beauty YouTubers, especially with the Tati and James drama that was recent. And also it's really interesting case studies that relates to business best practices, quality control, customer service. I mean, there's so many facets to this that I kind of wanted to just dive in and do a good old classic, be there in five deep dive. But my tone is very muted. My dog and my husband are sleeping. It is very late. And I normally am more emotive. So if you're new here, please go listen to another episode when, you know, I have more of a range in terms of my inflection. But for tonight, just imagine Delilah is telling you a very lengthy, overly detailed story about the failed launch of a beauty YouTuber's line of 20 nude lipsticks. So (laughs) I hope you like the episode and have a great Monday. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. This is a special edition episode, kind of. It's around 1 a.m. Monday morning. I, you know, I typically don't sleep well on Sunday nights anyway, but I almost electively don't sleep Sunday nights if there's an issue I can kind of dig into, read a lot about, have a glass of wine reviewing and then attempt to synthesize it for listeners of this podcast or followers on Instagram because, you know, the reason I started this is because I'm in a unique position where I am self-employed and I don't have the standard working hours and I kind of can take the time to figure these things out and use my platform to communicate them in a way that is hopefully a little bit more simplified or as unbiased as I can be, though I admittedly am not always because I'm not a journalist, but also just to, I don't know, help keep people aware of what's going on because I think a big part of what's interesting about the world as it is today is how fast things take off, how quickly idle chatter becomes truth, and um, how issues can be so layered and complicated it almost just is, it feels not worth it to explore it further. You like lose energy even hearing about it and then things die down and you move on. But if if I can at the very least explain this in a way that makes sense and that in kind of engages people with the YouTube beauty community, I think it's interesting because it's a facet of pop culture that I really enjoy that is a little bit more niche. I think I did a poll on Instagram tonight asking how invested people are in beauty YouTubers. And I want to say it was half and half, which was shocking to me. Um, And I will randomly talk about them here, like Tati and James Charles. I'd probably talk about Jeffree Star a decent amount, Jaclyn Hill. But this is kind of like a really fascinating, um, nuanced issue as it relates to cosmetics and safety and public health and customer dissatisfaction and the a pattern of really unfortunate situations uh in terms of business ventures as it relates to Jaclyn Hill is it negligence is it bad business is it uh, deliberate oversight you know it's just it's so hard to say i'll kind of go into like how what what i think but know that i don't have answers I just am kind of 
trying to read a lot of different sources and come at this from different angles because I just think it's an important thing to think about as consumers and as business owners. Um, I guess I should backtrack. My name's Kate Kennedy. <laughs> I am the owner and founder of a company called Be There in Five. Our claim to fame is something called the Reminder Mat. Uh, we initially took off because in 2014 I was plagued with anxiety that I was going to leave my curling iron or straightener on. I was walking out the door one day. I saw my doormat, thought of it as kind of a canvas and thought, well, why do these welcome you in your home when they should really see you on your way out? I'm the one that lives here. I don't keep my ish together enough to have company over. So I painted turn off your curling iron on my doormat, did a turn off your strainer, did some other reminders, affirmations. You know, you're like really pretty, you look great today. Don't forget your lunch, did lists, whatever. Put the initial view on Etsy. They take off, get hundreds of thousands of likes in a night, and my life changes. A year later, I quit my corporate job. Four years later, I uh, had a book published, Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. Uh, I have this podcast that is kind of a reflection of all of the things that make me curious. A big reason why I'm kind of in this be there in five mentality is because I really have to know everything about an issue or something going on that day when it comes up. And it often makes me lose track of time and be in a full-blown sprint to my destination, hence the be there in five way of life. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying it is what it is. I'm all about owning your truth at my ripe age of 31. And I uh, just wanted to explain that in case you're new here, because I noticed the topical videos at times bring a new listener. So I'm so happy you're here if you're here. Um, in terms of my legitimate qualifications, am I a beauty expert? No. Am I a cosmetics expert? Absolutely not. Uh, am I a chemist? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> no, I am. Um, but I'm a business owner. I, I spent six, seven years in the corporate market research world. I've owned my own business for five years. I've spent a crap ton of time in my own independent manufacturing processes for a totally separate product. Um, and I, before I left my job for this Be There in Five kind of accidental entrepreneurial venture, I actually weirdly did a stint as a Six Sigma black belt, which is nothing to do with martial arts. Rather, it's a, a subject matter expert of operational efficiencies as it relates to business process improvement, which has a lot to do with quality control and production lines and how to minimize waste and defects as it relates to manufacturing processes. So that is like this really weirdly specific thing I do know a few things about. So I'm, you know, hey, I'm glad like six months of my very bizarre career path can apply to this a little bit. But all of that said, I'm wh what I'm trying to do here is kind of report what I think is going on as a fan and as a consumer, not as a person who's an expert on the business or uh, chemistry or manufacturing side would not claim that for a second. Um, but what I, what drives me crazy is that I don't know what to like listen to or believe because you do, oh gosh, I could, I don't even know where to begin. It's like how, how, um, you know, you, beauty YouTuber 101, do we want to go? This video centralizes on Jaclyn Hill's drama with her recently released nude line of lipsticks. And if you think that sounds boring, wait a minute, cause it gets interesting. And also I'm sure I kind of implied this with the timestamp, but uh, I apologize for the dulcet tone of voice. Uh, the I might not be able to emote as much as I would normally, but my husband and dog are asleep and it is very late. So, it, you know, as another thing I learned while a Six Sigma black belt was you can't always have both timeliness and quality. <laughs> and with this podcast, that is something I struggle with. If you want it quick, it might not be the best. If you want it to be the best, it might take a minute. Throw a price in there and, I mean, you know, 
S hits the F. But anyway, I don't normally talk like that. I'm sorry. I think like my dog sitting next to me, he's a young boy. He's two years old. We had a bit of a weekend ourselves and I'm just trying to keep it clean. Really quick before I dive into this, this is a PSA for people with dogs. I've had an, I mean, from between my dog and Jaclyn Hill, I've like spent my weekend elbows deep in, you know, chemistry related Reddit forums. Um, no, not funny at all, but like everything's fine. So my dog Tugboat is two. He's 15 pounds. He's a Shih Tzu mix. He's perfection. He um, gets into everything. He specifically is all up in my grill when I'm doing laundry. And I noticed him like walk away when I was doing laundry. And I was like, that's weird. He's usually pretty interested, but nothing was in his mouth. 10 minutes later, I noticed there's a chewed piece of gum on the floor. If you have a dog, you know that xylitol, which is a, an artificial sweetener in a lot of sugar-free gums, is highly, highly toxic to dogs. Not necessarily cats, not necessarily other animals, but if you have a dog, you need to know how serious it is if they chew or swallow gum. I knew this. I actually don't chew a lot of gum, but when I do, I snap it in half, and I'm usually going to a meeting or an event, and I chew it on the way, and I spit it out. Um, it, I, I don't know. It must have fallen out of like a pocket or something, which is weird. Anyway, so I see the chew piece of gum. I'm like, okay, well, I at the very least know it's a half piece because I could see the torn paper. I always do that, and it was chewed, not ingested. Of course, I'm chewing a half piece of gum, comparing it, like trying to figure out if he ingested any. I call my vet. I'm like, should I bring him in? This is the amount. They're like, we can't say definitively, but like this, we, it depends on the specific type of gum and the amount eaten, the amount like chewed versus ingested, blah, blah, blah. Like, we can't say indefinitely you have to call poison control. And I was like, shit, like, whoa, this just got so serious. I was thinking he didn't ingest it, but I was calling just to be safe. Um, I mean, this dog eats everything, plastic, a full Jersey Mike sub. Like there's, there, unfortunately, he just has absolutely no limits, but he's usually fine and he'll, he'll spit out stuff he doesn't like. Um, and I promise him a very careful dog owner. And like literally he's never been around gum before. And I'm very, very aware of this problem. Um, but anyway, I say all this because I don't know, like even I was talking to like my family and friends, they're like, whoa, if we had been watching him, we wouldn't have known that like gum was toxic. We would have been like silly tugboat because I don't think it's that common. Like when you look at dog warning lists, it's like, don't they shouldn't eat grapes and xylitol. And it's like, well, what the F is xylitol? It's in a lot of sugar free gums. Anyways, poison control. I called them. They charge you $60. Um, I was on hold for 40 minutes. So in the event of an emergency, just take your dog to the ER. My vet was like, if he's acting normal and is fine, like it was such a small amount, it should be fine. But, you know, obviously just make sure. So Tubbo was fine acting normal, if anything, more, uh, you know, energized and jazzed than usual because he like senses energy and he was like, something's going on, something's going on. And he usually thinks it's because I'm like on the phone with Postmates and I'm ordering food. Um, but yeah, poison control, they, they make you describe the exact gum, the exact quantity. They like look at uh, the chemical breakdown of the particular gum that like weirdly consumers don't have access to compared to the breed and body weight and age and da 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 da, da. And then tell you exactly like what amount is necessary that would make it completely toxic to the point where there could be a serious blood sugar issue, uh, liver damage, you know, seizures. I mean, like all sorts of crazy stuff can happen. Anyways, he did not even eat close to enough and he chewed it and didn't ingest it and it was fine. But I say that because while I was on hold for nearly an hour and, you know, panicking thereafter and like watching the dog like a hawk. I was just reading a lot about this and I was like, I feel like it's weird that more people don't understand like how serious this is and how many people probably chew gum willy nilly and or their dog like is with the dog walker is not paying attention. They like pick up chewed gum off the street. You know what I mean? You just don't know. I just wanted to give you a heads up. Be so, so careful. There are xylitol free gums. 
if you just want to have like a household that's safe, I just like literally cannot imagine the thought of me, my negligence harming my sweet dog. I mean, he smells something that's new and interesting and he's going to chew it. And unfortunately, that is what it is. And I would just rather keep a safe household than run that risk. So just a heads, love you tons, keep your pets safe. And now moving on to our next chemical issue, which is that of Jaclyn Hill's nude lipsticks. <laughs> um, I do want to start by talking a little bit about like beauty YouTubers, the beauty community. I don't know, you know, how familiar you are. Hopefully, you know, if you're listening to my uh, inadvertently dulcet tones, I apologize. It is very late and my dog and husband are asleep, but hopefully they'll soothe you into not being bored about information you may or may not already know, but I'd rather be comprehensive so as to not confuse anybody. But before I get into kind of her background in the beauty community, she released her very first line from her own cosmetics brand called Jaclyn Cosmetics. This is a big deal because it's her own brand. It's her name before she'd only done collabs with Becca, with Morphe, a failed one with Makeup Geek I'll tell you about later. Um, And I don't know, forget some others probably. But the big ones were Becca and Morphe. And she has had huge success and broken records with doing partnerships with those companies. She drives dollars. She has major potential to have success within this category. Other YouTube stars like Jeffree Star have found immense success with their own brands. Obviously, with the success of Kylie Cosmetics, essentially just, you know, using ColourPop's formulas, but charging, you know, 12 times the amount. And she's the first self-made billionaire, apparently. I don't know. Apparently, the money's here. If you have the platform, it will come. That said, the beauty community and everyone in it is is heavily scrutinized, looked at under a microscope, as you'll find out literally and figuratively. And it is this intense, dramatic, for me, constant source of entertainment, even though I don't want it to be at other people's expense. But like literally somebody's always riddled with scandal. But anyway, so what happened this week is that Jacqueline Hill's uh, a very own line that she's like so excited about, like beaming, talking about so excited. I think she's always so cute and sweet when she talks about her products. I can tell she really cares. I think, I hope, I don't know. Um, and it, she had been like teasing this for years and years and years, like truly been put, talking about this, like her own cosmetics line since maybe 2015 and just is notorious for pushing back things and for taking forever. And she claims it's always in the name of quality, which is confusing because she has had quality issues with several of her product launches. The unfortunate thing is, and previously, if you know there was an issue, like Becca's champagne pop was like huge success, sold 25,000 units in 20 minutes. Becca's eyeshadows, huge formula issues. She really threw Becca under the bus. It was like a big dramatic problem. Not great to throw in that throw under the bus your partner. That's a very big cosmetics brand. However, I did I don't think she really knew what else to do when she was acting in self-defense. There was issues with Morphe's formulas. There was issues with Morphe's uh, vault collection. And uh, some of the palettes were faulty. And she had claimed that they were all destroyed. Um, but then she said that they were actually like in a warehouse somewhere and withheld because they didn't want to destroy the palettes. But then based on the back numbers, I'm pretty sure people thought that they got sent the uh, faulty palettes. Apparently there's a lot of issues with pigmentation and kickoff and I don't know all, all sorts of the things beauty youtubers talk about as it relates to eyeshadow that I don't really notice as most people don't you just like buy something and you like like it or don't and if I don't like it I feel horrible returning makeup so I'm just like eh, another one binds the dust but um anyways clearly not the use on YouTube because truly if something someone's 
like swatch video doesn't match exactly what it looks like on them like people are up in arms calling people frauds demanding their money back like it's it's insane but this case is particularly interesting and it's completely different than the past because when it comes to the customer experience when people are paying you money you're taking their money you're getting rich off a product that they are spending their hard-earned money on there is a major discrepancy between customer satisfaction and customer safety and as it relates to customer satisfaction all of the previous drama that's gone down whether it be delay and release how the product was uh, milled uh, produced the the formula the pigmentation how it was represented you know all of those things pertain to the customer experience in terms of uh, the, how their expectations are met but when it's a matter of you know public safety and health when you're putting something on your mouth that's you know pretty much ingested and there are contamination issues in question it becomes a lot more serious and those things that are being brought to light right now are being ignored well at first they were being aggressively denied by Jacqueline and that was her first mistake um but they are they have not made an official statement and they have not recalled the product they've there's nothing formally that's been done on behalf of Jacqueline Cosmetics but what people have found in the reviews uh, that I've watched uh, video footage of people are putting them under microscopes I'll tell you which ones to watch that I think are interesting and fair um, but in summary people have noticed that it's almost um, the, the, the lipsticks are very gritty uh, gravelly uh, people's noted they've you know are cutting their lips they are very very uncomfortable which you know with a creamy lipstick is not normal it especially should not hurt um there have been fibers that seem to be growing out of the lipstick too i'm seeing them described as different things i don't think anybody definitively knows some people are calling it human hair some fibers some mold like a moldy fuzz i think they look like uh synthetic fibers from some sort of um like issue with material or plastic or the cap or some sort of heat reaction of a synthetic plastic material in the cap or I don't know it, just, it doesn't look like mold to me but I don't honestly know um and I I just I went and looked like I, I, I'm disgusting I keep mascara for years like I'm so bad at like I really don't get rid of stuff I didn't if I'm being totally honest I, did, I, I knew makeup expired but like I've literally never looked at a date I just don't think I maybe wear all my collection enough to like I don't know really care um, it's disgusting and I'm sorry for that, but I, I can't imagine I'm the only one that is like, well, this MAC lipstick was like $22. So I'm going to keep it for a couple more years just in case. Cause like, it's not, you know, I don't wear like a, you know, a deep plum MAC media every, every day. It's maybe like twice a winter. Is this supposed to last me, you know, one, two winters? No, that's a lot of money. Um, so yes, I am risking my health in favor of $22, I guess it's my point, but I'm clearly not one of the people that would freak out about this on YouTube because honestly, if I saw a product and it was like a little melty or had like little holes in it, I'd be like, eh, yes, I didn't get a good one. And this is why I'm the worst. Like I, I would like, I don't know. I just, I think I accept a certain level of disappointment with most things. Cause a lot of things disappoint me, which now that, you know, when you really think about it, isn't great. Um, and it's good to, you know, expect excellence, but it's important to discern, you know, when are we being critical and when is this, um, you know, really constructive feedback and something that's going to affect a lot of people, especially and people spend their hard-earned money on it, like I said. So besides 
the, you know, debatable hairs, fibers coming out of the tube and the grittiness. Um, there's also tiny holes everywhere, which are not super uncommon with lipsticks. I did look into this. They can be air bubbles if there's certain, well, like without getting too into it, my understanding is there's certain butters, waxes, oils that are put in lipsticks that make them creamy. Understandably, those ingredients are sensitive to temperature change. And if there's heating, if there's cooling, whatever happens in transit can create a you know form of crystallization or what's called a wax bloom. Um, and it doesn't look great, but it's safe and performs as usual. And it's just a matter of the different temperature sensitivities of the materials that are essentially used to contribute to the quality and improve the lipstick. Um, lipsticks can sweat depending on the amount of oil in the formula, and that's not necessarily a problem. These things happen. And I saw, I've read an interesting article on, um, oh, I need to find out what's it called, Temptalia. And they went through and showed examples of close ups of lipsticks they've reviewed over the years and the fibers that were on or in lipsticks or lint. And, you know, Bobby Brown, ColourPop Dior. L'Oreal, Mac, Tom Ford, Makeup Geek, like all of these brands, like she had photos historically of, you know, lipstick tubes with the fibers on the lipstick itself. The, the interesting thing is, is that these all just seem like to be kind of on it in passing. Like it, the, the Jacqueline seemed to be like growing out of the stick. It's very interesting. You almost have to see a photo of it. It, it You can kind of tell it looks different. It's not like lint. It's like, looks like it's growing. So that is a little bit weird. But anyway, so the the main issues with these lipsticks, I'm forgetting how many it is. I don't know. It's like 18, 20 nudes. That's like a fact I should know that I'm completely blanking on. Um, but people are finding with more than one of their lipsticks, oftentimes several, they're soft, melted, or broken. There's tiny holes in it. They're sweaty. They're grainy or gritty. There's like a fuzziness. It's unclear if it's lint or mold or hair or fibers. Um, there's some black spots on the base, which is a little bit weird. There's almost like these plastic beads that you see in one um, video that I'll uh, point to later. There's mention of them smelling like Play-Doh um, or like kind of having like a weird waxy crayon smell, which is also weird because in one of her reviews, Jacqueline kept, she couldn't stop talking about how good they smelled. I mean, just in general, a theme with her is like, she takes forever to make stuff. And I was kind of shocked that like she just came out with lipstick. I mean, I was kind of thinking for a cosmetics launch, she'd go for a different type of product, but just to come out with nudes, I thought was just, they're $18 a piece. I thought it was like a little bit of a dated decision, which I'll get to that in a minute. Um, but she just was talking about their buttery and perfect and rich and smooth. And like, I watched her swatch literally everyone on her lips to the point where like my lips hurt vicariously, like watching somebody like rub off their lipstick with a paper towel so many times. Um, but it all, it like looked fine and looked normal, and looked great. And uh, it first started because somebody, well, on Twitter, somebody tweeted a photo of their lipstick looking lumpy and said, why is my at Jacqueline Cosmetics decaf lipstick lumpy? At Jacqueline Hill, this can't be right. And Jacqueline, very, very impulsively and incorrectly responded in a tweet, a tweet that's now deleted saying, you posted swatches ago, two days ago, loving the lipsticks. Now you're wondering why it's lumpy. It's obvious this lipstick is used and not fresh from factory. 
like any other lipstick, if you use it over other products, have dry lips, etc., things like this can happen. Which is, is that's like, it's just uh, rude and it's dismissive and it's just not the way to publicly handle a customer service complaint. Like, honestly, everybody should know by now, like, fight your instincts, be like always there on the side of nice and move it privately. Like you always want to move a conversation privately, um, especially if you don't know what you're dealing with. Trust me, I have people that are irrational all the time being like, I typed in the address wrong, but this is your fault. I want all my money back. and please resend it and give it to my friend for free. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, you know, there's, there's cases like that, that I just want to like screenshot the crap out of it and be like, please don't be this person. But you know, I'm always glad when I just figure it out offline. But the problem is with, a, you know, an industry with a lot of haters, you also have a lot of mega fans. And the problem with any mega fandom, as I've discussed, is kind of this um, aggressive, blinders wearing fandom that will go to bat for the person that they stand regardless of having the you know right information being on the right side of history or really looking into it whatsoever again it's pylon culture for better or for worse so people were like going nuts on this girl t- calling her lips crusty like being so mean to her for you know saying that to Jacqueline and Jacqueline was just like so steadfast and like this being her problem, like she literally heard nobody else complain about them. But then like it's just rolling in and like several YouTubers who, you know, spent three the set in full is over three hundred dollars. Okay, I just checked. It's twenty lipsticks, eighteen dollars a piece. You can buy them singular and trios or the whole set. Well, they're all sold out. They've been sold out for a while. They are not recalled, which is interesting considering they all have the exact same batch code. So if they recall one, they're recalling them all. So I'm sure they're not taking this lightly. And she has since, you know, tweeted being like, uh, she said she's like apologized to the girl and kind of retracted her statement. The last thing she said was two days ago. Oh gosh, this is so layered. Um, she said, my team and I are working very hard on finding out exactly what is causing the grittiness and bumpy texture on some of the lipsticks. I'm so sorry to see some of you dissatisfied with my product. I will make it right and learn from my mistake. That's a promise. Nice, but still should have started there, not gone after that girl. Um, she also said, I apologize to the girl. That was unprofessional. It's not my intention, blah, blah, blah. So this kind of starts on Twitter. Plants a seed, obviously. People are looking at these very closely. It's one thing if a few random people on Twitter, there's been things before where people are like known to destroy Morphe brushes and just like do things to get, you know, clicks and views. But then influencers, beauty gurus start reviewing and noticing like in real time, they're trying lipsticks for the first time. They're like, oh, this hurts a little bit. This is gritty. This is weird. And then one person who made a video called The Truth About Jaclyn Hill Cosmetics, it's by Raw Christie Beauty. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more in a bit about who did what videos and like how I feel about all of the coverage. But I think hers is interesting because she, instead of just kind of like stating her opinion, I feel like everyone's like, I know a ton about factories and this is how it works. I'm like, hey, everybody says they know that. Um, But she's she's just kind of not being like, I know this because I'm this person and like I'm an authority. She's like just whips out a microscope and is like, oh, this is gross. And it really is gross. But again, I mean, maybe this is terrible. I just... I don't know if I would notice because like you kind of glance at it you can't see like microscopic holes obviously under your microscope you can I mean truly if anything I'm I bet the microscope industry is going to be booming after this all of a sudden I want to like look at everything I uh 
she was using one that off Amazon that's like 20 bucks you hook up to a computer I, I want one and I don't even know why or what I'd use it for um but basically that's the most revealing video and um it's worth a watch it's an hour long you'll get the gist after watching her do a couple lipsticks but basically she shows the fibers on them that seem to be growing out of the lipstick she shows there's like these little black beads she shows kind of like some of the holes some people think they're spores and that's where you get into weird territory is if these are mold spores that's a problem that's very unsafe not only just on principle but you know when you think about allergies when you think about any like cross-contamination that could have happened when you think about the people putting them on their mouths i mean it's truly a, a major major problem um if it's not mold then obviously they need to figure out real fast what's going on and to give people the correct information because the problem is her most recent tweet was telling people that um they posted a video of rock beauty christie's uh photo like microscope photo with the uh, fibers coming out of the lipstick tube and Jacqueline said, if any of you are receiving lipsticks like this, please know that this is not hair. My factory used brand new white gloves to do quality control, and they shed all over my product, Angry Face. We switched to rubber gloves two days ago, and we'll make sure this never happens again. So here's why this is the second time she messed up. The first time being aggressively coming after the girl who was trying to give her product feedback. In saying that there were cotton gloves used, in her manufacturing plant it's it's i want to be careful because people are going to town being like that's not how this works those are not used in factories and even the you know phrasing or the the terminology of rubber gloves is not correct in a sterile environment you're using nitrile gloves you're not using latex gloves or the gloves with the white powder that's a contamination issue and you're especially not using cotton gloves, especially not using anything with lint. The only, I can see there being an instance of uh, like perhaps capping using a different type of glove for fingerprints, but still I don't, it seems from the people that have makeup lines, the YouTubers that have talked about this, um, and even just kind of common sense, the use of a linty cotton glove on a product in a sterile environment that is ultimately capable of being ingested is extremely unlikely it is likely sterile they are likely using nitrile and um for her to just jump at that and say that and then to say we switched to rubber gloves two days ago is it's like is that necessarily true like probably not should you maybe gotten more information first because if now even saying that it's like well it's a concern if your people are using linty gloves there's no way they are but even if they were then people should be worried there's video footage on jacquelinecosmetics.com of her with like latex or rubber gloves on like working and swatching at the product so they know you know at least that piece isn't true and you know two days ago to be like now i i i called them we're switching like that's not how it works she's working with a huge manufacturing plant she didn't build out her own infrastructure it's just it's just more misinformation and it's more poorly communicated information and it needs it's just this it's this tough thing now where she doesn't have an overarching brand as her like mouthpiece and she needs to figure out a better way to communicate this or just completely like stop talking. And it seems like she has in the past day and a half, two days. But this glove excuse really is not holding up because even in the event, some people were using linted gloves on uncapped lipsticks, which seems insane. 
the lint would be superficial and it appears to be growing out of the lipstick and it's a little bit more wiry and straight than like a casual lint in passing. You know, when like you shine a flashlight in like empty space and you're like, whoa, there's a lot of stuff lying around here and you don't like really see it. I think like that can happen a lot of times, you know, whether quickly after you open it or perhaps in the process, even if it's sterile, I don't really know. But um, apparently it just seems very unlikely that even lint gloves would be responsible for microscopic filaments, filament like fibers in lipsticks, like being baked in there. Um, so that's a piece of it. Okay. Now to backtrack about Jacqueline and why in like kind of the conspiracy theory surrounding why all of this might be happening. I, I, I like wanted to do more background on like the beauty guru community overall. Maybe I'll just like quickly backtrack um, just to explain it for anybody that's really, really lost. There is a community of a large community of beauty YouTubers that are especially are over the 5 million subscriber marks that like run this town. And by this town, I mean, they all, you know, at one point are friends at one point are enemies reconcile, have a scandal. Everyone dropped them. They all like have had Morphe palettes or Becca collabs or makeup geek. And they, they all have now they're most of them have their own cosmetics lines. Most of them have been completely ridden with scandals. It's, it's an industry that has so much going on that that drama channels are their own industry within the beauty YouTube industry. Like, no joke. There's so much drama that happens with the gurus that there are these separate channels with hundreds of thousands, if not maybe some might have millions of subscribers that just talk about all the stuff that goes down. And I think it's more at the top of mind with the public since Tati and James Charles. I explained that drama two episodes ago, I think, two or three it, it's, you know, pretty easily, easy to find summarized online, but, you know, more or less, it turned out to be a, a very bizarre game of he said, she said, telephone text messages, a lot of internet cancel culture pylons. I think Tati was sincere for the most part in discussing her own experience. She should have left it at her own experience and not brought in all the stuff about him, you know, seducing straight men and I think, you know, even aspects of her being upset about him choosing sugar bear hair while not actively promoting Halo was a little bit petty. Business is business. I'm confused. I love Tati. Always been a fan. I really find her to be sincere. I think James Charles is very young, has a lot of money, is very inexperienced business-wise, and is inevitably going to make many mistakes, and this is not going to be the first or last. Um, But anyway, with Jacqueline... She, I think she was born in like 1990. She's a few years younger than me. Um, she is from like outside of Chicago. She worked at the Mac store as a makeup artist um, in a mall out in the burbs. And she kind of started YouTubing from her house when she had no money. She always says she was on food stamps. There's a lot of people that think that may or may not be true. She got married when she was 19 and when she was very, very young to a man named John Hill. Hill is her married name not her maiden name, but in this past year, she got divorced from John Hill, which was like kind of a big deal in the, in the beauty community. And why there is a bit of a conspiracy here about the lipstick saying Jaclyn Hill and having a JH on the lipstick and not Jaclyn Cosmetics, which is the name of her company. More on that in a moment. Anyway, it's like hard to sum up someone's career. Basically, she's very, very popular, very, very famous, has almost 6 million subscribers, hundreds and hundreds of videos. She and I'd say her career really shifted in 2015. She did a collaboration with Becca 
for a highlighter called Champagne Pop that's actually pretty great. And it sold really well, like 25,000 units within 20 minutes, breaking their records. Becca's now owned by Estee Lauder. She did a collaboration with Morphe for her palette that sold out and sold like wildfire. She then did her vault collection with Morphe, the shades she, she said she did not choose for her original Morphe palette. That was marked with a lot of controversy. Even her Morphe original palette was marked with a lot of controversy. Her Becca palette was marked with a lot of controversy because Becca sued Morphe for using the same artwork. Um, I mean, like, truly, she girlfriend has had a lot of issues with product launches. And this is why I'm genuinely surprised that this wasn't, like, right and tight. You know, it, it, there's the, regardless of what's actually going on, it's very clear that something's wrong with the product. And um, given her checkered past with uh, not only just drama, but like uh, the miscommunication of the issues to her customers, the having to backtrack the, you know, I don't want to, like, I don't like calling people liars because I think sometimes people do the best they can with the information they have at the time and their instinct is to react quickly in, you know, for self-preservation rather than to like take a beat, get all the information. And then release it accordingly. And I think she's quick to defend herself. And I don't necessarily know that she knows she's wrong in real time, if that makes sense. Um, but I also, again, a, a big reason I wanted to talk through this is because one of my issues with the beauty YouTube community, as I mentioned, there's an industry just for the drama and gossip. These people are followed and scrutinized crazily. And some of the other big heavy hitters you might be familiar with are like Jeffree Star. He was like the most followed person on MySpace in 2006. I think he started in music. He's huge. He's worth millions. He not only has his makeup line, but I think he makes the bulk of his money through uh, another manufacturing company he has that kind of focuses more on merch. I don't know. Watch some of his videos with like his house tour, especially with Shane Dawson. I learned a lot about him during that. Um, uh, Manny... Manny MUA, MUA stands for makeup artist, uh, Tati James Charles, um, Nikki Tutorials, Jackie Aina, um, who I follow, like Carly Bible. Laura Lee had a big scandal last year. I don't really know where she stands. Um, I also really like Alyssa Ashley, Nima Tang. I think they're, I feel like people like Nima Tang are like the real change makers. You know, you can look at be you know, beauty and makeup tutorials and trivialize them all you want, but. Jackie and Nima have really fought in for and succeeded in insisting makeup companies have better representations for dark skin tones, a broader spectrum of complexion shades across the board. You look at swatches, you know, even only back two, three years ago, and they're just not representative of all women whatsoever. And those are the people that are like really have their heads focused in the right places and are trying to affect change as it relates to the largest amount of people in a positive way. And as time goes on, I watch those channels more and more to get, I don't know, to get input from people that like aren't necessarily just chasing subscribers and that are actually trying to use their platforms for something else besides clickbait. Because like, you know, even like the Laura Lees, uh, I mean, Jeffree Start, I mean, they all do it. It's like these crazy thumbnails with these like, you know, unnecessary <laughs> types of content that just are always trending like person in front of me orders from you in and out I'm like why are we doing this but like everybody watches it I think this is where I'm like a smidge old for YouTube I actually watch a ton of YouTube but like I really 
am not in this like PewDiePie generation of like, why are we watching you play video games? Like, why would I care what people order in front of you at In-N-Out? Like, why do I have to watch you put on a full face of dollar store makeup that I'm like never going to buy? And I know you're just going to call garbage. What I do think is interesting and creative is like full face of brands that hate me. I'm like, yeah, okay, Jeffrey, like getting a lot of drama, you know, way to, you know, figure that out, monetize it, work, make it work for your channel. I, I do respect to a degree people that are willing to be honest because you get you do get kicked off PR lists. Can't say whatever, you know, want to get kicked off Kylie's PR list. Can't say I'd really want to get kicked off any. I recently got on one hoping to stay on. God bless. Side note, I got my first um, beauty PR package last week because I'm a big fan of the Tartlet and Bloom palette and I talk about it a lot. And um, I was so excited that independent of this drama, I made my own faux like uh, beauty YouTuber tutorial tutorial for just for Patreon people to show how I do my eye makeup with that palette. It's like a half joke, a half real tutorial, but really I just wanted to make my own crazy thumbnail. And, um, you know, I had a great time. You can make a crazy YouTube thumbnail, thumbnail FYI, on pickmaker.com and all of those weird, like, stickers and exclamation points, points and, like, thumbs up and thumbs down and, like, arrows are just these, like, these cheesy collage makers I guess everyone uses. Who knew? Um, so go to patreon.com slash be there in five if interested in my, you know, non-signature cat eye from a super amateur non-professional that has really no reason to be teaching you how to use makeup. But isn't that kind of the point? sometimes when I watch these people, I'm like, well, I don't have your steady hand or skill set. How am I ever going to replicate this? I assure you anything I can do, you can do better. Um, That's not how the saying goes, but I firmly believe that. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, obviously I can't name and represent all of the YouTubers. I guess I was just speaking to the ones that are kind of like on my radar that are uh, making millions and dabbling in uh, both, you know, the, the reviews and the content, but also the commerce. And therefore taking on added responsibility. And I think what frustrates me about the coverage is it just seems like such a grab for subscribers. And I'm watching these videos reviewing the lipsticks and the independent of what I think, because I don't have the lipsticks. um, But like, it's just interesting to watch every single person's video be like, Jacqueline's a great girl and I want the best for her. And like when she wins, we all win. And like, I just don't want like, guys, like, please like, please be nice to me in the comments. Like, guys, I swear I'm not negative. I'm such a nice girl. It's like, holy crap. It's, it's 25 minutes of qualifiers and acting really sweet. And then the head, the title is like, why Jaclyn Hill is a liar. Like, why I don't believe Jaclyn Hill. Like, I think two major beauty, well, that girl Shay did one that was pretty big. And she said, why Jaclyn Hill is a liar. And was like super sweet throughout the video. And then I just, uh, watched Nikia, Nikia, Nikia Joy, uh, She's from Australia. Her, her video is titled Jaclyn Hill is lying to you like crooked frowny face. And then there's another girl. It's like, why I'm canceling Jaclyn Hill. And I mean, it, truly, it, it's 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 interesting because it's like, yes, if there's a problem, it needs to be addressed. And, you know, people should speak up. But also it's kind of sad. The pile on that happens this strong hyperbolic language that's used to like take someone down before we like really have found out anything and it just creates so much clutter in trying to figure out what's really going on and I didn't actually want to find uh Nakia's video interesting because I saw like a snippet of it and she was just telling us all like not to bully and not to spread hate and I'm like you literally have a video that says it's called Jacqueline Hill is lying to you crooked frowny face like in all caps I mean what do you think you're doing like (laughs) you know what I mean it was kind of like Tati like you know, pulling back and being like, please stop the madness. And it's like, you started the madness. I mean, 
it's just one of these things that like at this point, everybody should know that they can't take these things lightly and the importance of like taking a minute and maybe not speaking too soon. So you don't have to retract. Yeah. You might forego some of the big views at the beginning because there's, you know, you want to strike while the iron's hot, but also like what's wrong with gathering some information, you know? So that's why I'm here because the reason I'm different is because I'm not making money off of this episode. <laughs> um, these special episodes, especially when I, I don't advertise, I don't monetize. I just honestly think it's interesting and want to talk through what's going on. And um, literally every other video about this topic, they are making bank. Like even looking at some of the smaller players that talked about it, um, you know, more quickly, no shade to them. Like, I think that, you know, if this is, you have the lipstick and you're seeing this firsthand, it's absolutely your job to do the right thing and to speak up. But I just think like speaking up, it becomes diluted or cheapened when the video is presented in a clickbaity format, but that's just kind of the culture of YouTube. The person who I think there's a couple videos where I think they did a good job. The most notable one is probably Raw Beauty Christie. And I mean it's so I mean it's like similar to Tati doubling her subscribers. I mean, she was so successful with over five million subscribers, but then the James Charles thing happened. And she doubled overnight. Like, isn't that so weird? How like you can just tap dance, like work your ass off to get where you are. Then like one scandal, one thing like can duplicate. I mean, it's just wild. So Raw Beauty Christie has like a 500,000 subscribers and her videos kind of range, but they're like in the low 100s to 250K views. Like she does a great job. She's very successful. But um, her Jaclyn Hill video is a day old and is already over a million views to give you perspective. And her last video is 140,000 views and about five days ago. But I thought she did a good job because she actually used a microscope, like to like literally looking at a career under a microscope. She I, I felt like she wasn't overly editorialized. She wasn't super agenda. She was kind of just reacting in real time to how these things looked up close. So to give you the scoop on what's wrong with the lipsticks, and if you have like no idea what's going on, if you're like not into this community or like familiar with YouTube beauty drama, you're probably like, why the hell have you been talking about like leading up to lipsticks for 25 minutes? It's less about like, it has like about what's going on with the lipsticks, but it's also like what it means and like kind of the how many layers there are to this. Because like I mentioned earlier, so there's the concept of, okay, there's a satisfaction issue that seems to be going into the territory of a safety issue fundamentally with the formula or the manufacturing of the product. But then there's the kind of, well, then there was obviously the drama with the way she like explained uh, the way she responded with her customer service to that person that got bullied really badly on Twitter, only to ultimately be proven right, and that made Jacqueline look stupid. Also, the white glove tweet. I I heard it was deleted, but it's definitely up there. I just looked. The white glove tweet is just not holding up whatsoever with people that have experience working in cosmetics manufacturing. Um, But the other piece of this that makes it kind of the conspiracy is she, on the lipsticks, it's a silver tube with like a diamond on the end and a JH emblem, Jaclyn Hill. Her cosmetics brand is Jaclyn Cosmetics, very specifically not Jaclyn Hill. While she still has her married name, she got divorced within the past year. 
her her and her husband i think had a complicated relationship she ultimately said like they're good friends but not life partners he had several relapses i think it was in and out of rehab drug and alcohol problems he's a drummer they were they're like cute in their videos i was actually a little bit surprised she seemed in it for the long haul but it just seems like she was a lot of the um behavior in the past and uncertainty and like inconsistency with videos and i think a lot of the things that bothered people about her were more of a function of her being in a very difficult personal situation i literally cannot imagine getting married at 19 i think about myself now to 19 i'd be like yes sorry i know i made a commitment but also i shouldn't be held to commitments i made when i was 19 like i i, I could never um, no offense if you got married young, I think you either grow in parallel or you grow apart. And I think more often than not, people really do drastically change, especially in the event of one person having, you know, some of their own vices or demons they're having to work through. And at a young age, when you're supposed to be living, it's, it kind of sounds to me like she was dealing with a disproportionate amount of stress and anxiety, uh, for someone else's issues. Who knows what hers are, but that's kind of how I read the video. And it seems like they're on good terms. And she's dating like, I don't want to, I don't know if it's one of his friends, but it's like a mutual friend. It's like somebody that they either hired or started working with together that she's now dating. Uh, but she seems very happy. So for that, I'm happy for her. But anyway, um, so she was married to John Hill and had teased this makeup line launch over and over and over again. She they I think they filed for a divorce in like they moved into this like amazing house in like November of 2017 this like custom built huge insanely decorated house that like is basically looks like her lipstick tube it's like silver with a diamond on it like a lot of silver a lot of diamonds it's it's a little like Paris Hilton it's a little dated it's a little like housewives of orange county not Beverly Hills orange county like it's kind of that like nouveau riche new money uh everything's like diamonds and baubles and like nothing is rustic nothing is vintage it's like new 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 it's shiny it's metallic it's hollywood regency it's high glam it's a little bit like if if z gallery had a teenage line that's how i would describe her aesthetic um and they moved in that house in like i want to say it's november i could be messing this but again it's not really that important of 2017 i feel like she announced they were getting divorced like less than six months later. And then just this past winter, it was finalized. And then we suddenly have a date for the launch of her makeup line. So, of course, the conspiracy is these lipsticks were made years ago and were supposed to be launched when it became clear she was getting divorced. Obviously, there's a lot of potential money at stake. Did she manufacture the products, shelf them, and wait till her divorce went through and was final before she officially launched? I don't know what the difference is between like when the product's in market versus when you file for your LLC or your umbrella company that the product's under, like how that division of assets works. I imagine she had to cough up a ton of money already because she made all of her money in the time that they were married. Um, but so there's there's two parts to this a is it would it be crazy of her to delay the launch and to try to like separate out her potentially humongous business from you know being within the time frame of her marriage so that you know i don't know what florida's rules are but theoretically half could be his like it makes total sense that especially if your separation was in play or divorce was on the horizon like I get the, you know, equal division of assets 
made in the time when you had every intention to be married. But I think when you're on the outs, like it makes total sense that you wouldn't want that. Um, but that's not the issue is the delay of post-marriage. The issue is that these lipsticks were potentially made a long time ago, put on the shelf and are now being sold as brand new. And were the PR ones and the beautiful plastic mailers with the, you know, light up thing inside and like all these weird, like small Michael's gems. I don't know. They were like very pretty, but very large and very plastic. And you know how people hate single use plastics. I mean, not that I don't hate them, but like, I mean, it pretty much goes without saying that any mega PR mailer is pretty wasteful if the packaging's excessive. But anyway, it, it, some one theory is that all of the PR ones were recently made and they are perfect and creamy and amazing and that the ones people are actually getting are like old stock and some of the issues at hand are a result of melting of warping of temp like a lack of temperature control of transit of potential mold of you know sitting for too long da, da, da. and people feel validated in that because not only is the concept of releasing a set of nudes a little bit dated it's a little bit Kylie two years ago Kim two years ago the in nexus of KKW I just feel like nudes aren't like, I, I mean, they're like, you know, always going to be a thing, but it was kind of really, really trendy um, right around when all the Kardashian brands were coming out. Also, even though she is very like, you know, I, I keep thinking of like the mall store icing, um, it, the branding feels like a, a little bit dated, a couple years old, um, like that kind of like super glam, silvery look even more so was her jam a couple years ago. Um, but also the fact that JH is the logo is something like, would she actively be doing that on packaging now, having known she was going to be divorced for what, like 18 months plus now, you know, maybe not. It's her famous name. She might keep it. I mean, you know, Kris Jenner still is Kris Jenner, but even when she was married to Bruce, she tried to switch it back to Kardashian, which was kind of rude. I mean, I'm Kate Kennedy. That's not my, that's my maiden name, not my husband's name. Everyone has their own thing, but the fact that it's very specifically Jacqueline Cosmetics, I would imagine she would prefer it be like JC or just Jay or Jacqueline or whatever. So that is a conspiracy. Does that hold up? Well, the problem is when it comes to a tube lipstick, it, if, if it were melting, it would lose its bullet shape. Like we've all seen melted lipstick. I've definitely, you know, back in the day, left lipstick in a a cup holder in a car but, but as we all know the saddest part is it does not fall back into that perfect shape i think it's like okay i mean there's there's it, there's so many different things it could be and when in my experience <laughs> limited experience in uh the art of defect uh identification and minimization through process design well, first of all, there's a difference between defects and defective products. Defects are more often the term you use for something outside of a customer's expectation. A product that's defective is like cannot be sold to the customer. It's it's scrap. It's useless. And theoretically, here we have we allegedly uh, a lot of the beauty guru videos that I listen to. They think that this is contaminated, unusable product allegedly again i do not know um and when you think about defects let's just say like this isn't necessarily scrap there's like a defect here that's in misalignment with expectation and not necessarily a health or safety hazard 
I do not know either way. But if it, when you think about defects, there's design defects, there's manufacturing defects, there's marketing defects, um, there's logistical defects, and it, it, they're all very different. Uh, when you think about a marketing defect, for example, it's it's misinformation in terms of how the product is sold. There, you know, maybe inadequate warnings or instructions, etc. A design defect is a little bit weird because it's it's um while defective, it was also planned. You, you design something incorrectly, it's inherent to the product, and I mean, pretty much everything at that point is scrap if it isn't working at that point. But then manufacturing defects are tricky because they are accidental. They're not intended. I just think it's interesting to think of it in this way because there's so many different places a process can break down. And I just think it can't be oversimplified. And everything we're reading is not from the horse's mouth. Like we're just reading people's um, impressions based on their firsthand experience of the product and their related experiences in the cosmetics industry. Really, there's just a lot of players involved. And it's important to discern because, I mean, like the way I used to explain it to clients, it's like, okay, you have a chair, a uh, marketing defect is saying this chair is a great table. A design defect would be making a chair with three legs. Maybe it was an aesthetic or a funky or different decision, just not going to work if there's no stability. A manufacturing defect is a perfectly designed chair that is being sold adequately for its function but somebody along the way doesn't bolt in the legs right and therefore there is a quality issue so it's just like a really i don't know oversimplified way to say that like you have to almost break it down and be like okay is this not what we thought it was for a certain reason is this something where there's a fundamental issue in the formula and she was trying to do something different with the mango butters the oils or the waxes and the blooms and the crystallizations and the melting and the different temperature points of the various materials are somehow all converging to not work in each other's favor because it's new or different, therefore an inherent design flaw, or is there a manufacturing issue that can be prevented going forward that can find out where it break, broke down in the system, the product's perfectly fine. Otherwise, however, there's a major issue within the assembly line essentially that needs to be addressed. And if they figure out what it is. Is it a is, is it a health issue? Is it a safety issue? Is was it made in a safe, sanitary, sterile environment that would make it approved and safe to be ingested? And if not, since they all again have the same batch number, the entire thing would need to be recalled and scrapped. Without getting too far into it, or too boring. Um, I think it's actually a really interesting uh, quality control case study in terms of figuring out where the breakdown happened. When I was in business process improvement, the, the, the metric that's used largely to determine the quality performance of a supplier manufacturer is PPM or parts per million. So one PPM means one you know, event, uh, as they call it, or, or defect in a million. And at one point in time, 10,000 PPM was considered to be a, a low rate of defects in terms of PPM. But over time, you know, then it got down to a thousand. And now I was just looking this up to make sure I had this right. Cause I was thinking like, well, 1%, I guess is a pretty low incidence rate, but now it's like, I think the global manufacturing average is like 75 PPM. So 75 defects, you know, events 
out of a million is like the acceptable rate. And I only say that to put into perspective because I was trying to think like, well, okay, well, you know, if are people exaggerating or like just the people that happen to have YouTube channels or be active on social media, like happen to be getting these, like yeah, how rare of an incident could it be? when you take that kind of uh, expectation for manufacturing excellence and quality control into play, especially with cosmetics, which isn't exactly, you know, rocket science. I mean, it's not that it's not complicated, but it's, it's, it's been done before. It's a very uh, well-researched and seasoned industry that I'm sure she's just utilizing the infrastructure of another major cosmetics manufacturer that otherwise runs pretty smoothly. Do I know that? No, I just cannot. I mean, it, it's very unlikely she would have built out her own facility. In fact, she definitely didn't. So it's, it's really tough to say because it's like, well, yeah, if you're using the facility of like another major cosmetics manufacturer, why was there all this oversight? What, what, what is with all this going on? Why are there hairs? Why are there spores? Why are there black beads, etc.? And you go back to, well, they're stored for a couple years and they're expired. I, again, I've never seen anything like this on my own lipsticks, but I know anecdotal examples are not a cross-section for actual data to represent a problem. But I just am like, you know, a couple of years on a shelf and that's happening. That's wild. Um, I honestly, I just really, I don't know, but that's kind of what I'm reading. And I mean, there's actually a lot of interesting stuff online in terms of quality control um, that I won't get into, but just in terms of like it being very like how serious these processes are and how unlikely it is that there would be any gloves with fibers and how uh you know samples are destroyed immediately and how the caps should never be off at certain points in the process to even be exposed to that and um how you know there's nuance with the formula itself but then the also the temperature and positioning of the mold to both have the best case scenarios meet for the stability within the mold and the temperature of the product itself. I mean, there's so, I don't know, like I could like maybe pathetically read about manufacturing of cosmetics all night now, because I'm like, there is a lot that goes into it. And it's not that simple. You would hope, you know, when you're charging $18 per unit and you're at her level where you can probably put up some investment and you've spent, you know, nine years building this, that you're working with a facility that has all this covered. And I think that's kind of the assumption. So I think that's why the conspiracy of, well, these are old products and there's something that went on on the shelf that happened. I don't think she would ever admit that. Um, but then like, you know, you maybe will just have to ultimately infer it because what happened with like the vault collection, for example, um, she said it was the colors that she didn't use for her original Morphe palette that she was like obsessed with. It was this big push. Um, but then it got pushed from like June to August. And in that time, Becca sued Morphe for using like literally the identical design from Beck, like Jacqueline's holiday collection with Becca on the, the vault collection, which was very, which was so, so stupid. Like get a designer. Like it's just, there's, there's a million ways you can make a box look cute. And it wasn't even that great. And it was, it was a clear ripoff, but like, it was never really addressed. Um, and then, you know, she also very famously uh, got in a public spat um, with Makeup Geek because she had a palette that was supposed to come out with them. I think this is like 2016. And it was around the same time she was working with Becca and Morphe, the 
founder of Makeup Geek, who's been very outspoken about the lipsticks. Marlena was her very close friend. They decided to do a collab. They did not have a contract, and she was constantly pushing back the uh, release of this palette she was doing with Makeup Geek. Long story short, she pushed it back. She pushed it back. Marlena never had a contract. I think she was relying on their friendship. And uh, they went into production. She made, I think, 100,000 pallets at, like, I don't know, $10 a piece. And Jacqueline backed out of the deal. She could because there was no contract. There was a series of leaked emails that were less than flattering and professional on Jacqueline's behalf. Um, and basically, she screwed over a friend. It's an interesting dilemma, though, because Marlena should have had a contract. Bottom line. Is it shitty? Absolutely. You know, but are there, it's like Jacqueline was unprofessional to back out and a bad friend. But also, speaking of professionalism and best practices as it, as it relates to business, always, always, always have a contract. Um, and I guess they were saying they kept trying to get her to sign and her mom's her manager and nobody was responding. And it's like, you don't go into production, you know, like case in point, I'm sure she learned her lesson, but still. It's just interesting because in court, like in the court of social media, Jacqueline's the monster. In a court of law, Mar you know, Marlena made the mistake. But this is why these, you know, issues are so interesting in this social media world we live in because we really have no answers. We really don't know what the truth is. We really don't know whose fault it is. We're dealing with a situation where we've historically been, you know, a bit misled and, and or potentially lied to allegedly, um, about, you know, the timing, the execution, the formula and the, you know, location of the products, the biggest thing with the vault. And I need to brush up on it was basically, she said the, the, the like the faulty ones were destroyed and they weren't, and people were pretty sure they got them. And then she like went back on her story. She has a history of miscommunicating what's going on with her products. And every single launch seems to be a legit disaster and it's just so confusing because she really does seem to care and I just cannot decide if she you know is finding herself in a series of bad circumstances with bad business partners or if she's just hugely overstating exaggerating and she you know has a work ethic issue an involvement issue or is just like half-assing it and really you know just trying to oversell as much as she can I my unpopular opinion, if I were on YouTube, but we're here on my podcast, and I feel like you guys, a, lot, a big reason I'm making this uh, podcast is because a lot of you aren't familiar with this world. Um, from my standpoint, I'm not like an outraged, diehard YouTube beauty guru follower. I really enjoy her. Uh, I love her videos. I actually find them to be so, so the her older videos to be some of the best. She taught me how to do my own wedding makeup. I, I really thought she's uh, been cute and sweet and done looks that I've found approachable over the years, whereas a lot of the gurus were going more for clicks, going for more different outlandish looks that like I just couldn't replicate. And I really honestly got into beauty YouTubers because I wanted to learn how to work with my face. And the nexus of this was because I had horrible skin, like really, really bad cystic acne, um, very bad, like redness, rosacea. And and when I was, I mean, maybe like 2012, 2013 is when I started really watching these because they taught me how to cover up my face and something I was deeply self-conscious about. I learned about Makeup Forever HD Foundation and like uh, the glory that was, I, I used that for years and years and years until my skin got better and it like changed everything for me. 
Um, and now I, of course, moved on to Tarte Shape Tape, and I use more of a CC cream, BB cream situation, a little lighter coverage, but Estee Lauder double wear for any all-day coverage. I could talk about makeup all the live long day. I'm really worried that my low tone is boring people because I'm just, it's just really late, and I'm just talking evenly, and I apologize if this is so boring. Anyways, I'll get to my point. Um, my take that would not be popular on YouTube because they, everybody on there is just like canceled by bitch. You messed up liar, like whatever. It's not that I'm not mad because if it's a healthy and safe health and safety issue, like, you know, unforgivable needs to be recalled, needs to be fixed immediately. She just needs to stop tweeting and saying things that aren't correct. She just needs to give out correct information and to come clean and be transparent about exactly what happened. And just skip the PR, skip the BS. Like, this is your brand now, and you can't point fingers. Because my argument that I guess works for and against this is that at the, I think what we always have to remember with public figures that go into manufacturing, brand deals, whatever, especially content creators that start at a very young age, is that they're not business people. They don't have any practical experience. They've never had an internship, they've never worked at a company. They've always been the name, the figure of the person that's trying to be impressed and swayed. And I think that so often with these brand deals, especially the ones where she's lending her name to a Morphe or Becca or whatever, it's a licensing deal. And I think people can pretend they, you know, pick out the, whether it's clothes and pick out the fabrics and do the design work and, or with, whether it's how it's milled and they pick out all the pigments and all that, you can pretend all that, all that, they, all that you want, but at the end of the day, you're a person lending your name to an existing set of pretty fixed processes that they're not going to spend the overhead to overhaul just for this one tiny segment of their sales that you know could boost them, but it doesn't warrant them completely transforming their infrastructure. So I remember when even Jacqueline was talking about how she was changing how the Morphe pigments were like pressed and milled and all this. And I'm like, she's got to have a stake in this company because otherwise, why are they overextending themselves for her to redo the way they make eyeshadow because it's suggesting that the other way they make it isn't as good, isn't as pigmented, isn't as long lasting. It's like, why wouldn't they just make them all higher quality? I always thought that was really strange. Um, the way she threw Becca under the bus was a little bit strange and basically suggested to me that she literally had nothing to do with it. Uh, what I know of uh, influencers doing especially like clothing lines and whatnot that are so often licensing deals. I've always talked about how much I respect Julia from Gal Meets Glam because she actually, wing to wing, uh, you know, she has pattern makers and seamstresses and she does the design work and she like really owns the entire process. A lot of times, I think, you know, in the Rachel Parcell types of cases, something navy, it's more of a licensing deal. You're going to showrooms, you're looking at samples, you're picking out things, you can tweak this and that. You have, you know, creative direction over the aesthetic and the pieces you pick out but you're largely picking out pieces that kind of already exist or you're kind of just like pointing to things like i want something similar to that and that leads to a lot of replication of other people's designs copyright issues um a lot of what appears to be infringement on other designers clothing when the reality of fast fashion the ecosystem is that when something's popular Everybody makes a version of it slightly modified at different price points to open it up to the broader market. Does it make it right? No. Do I hate copycats 100%? Do I think that every influencer going into a licensing deal where they're just taking like a 10% cut and they're going into a showroom and like slapping their name on things is entirely aware that they're doing that? No. 
I don't always think it's completely their fault. And I think there's a lot of other people involved that should have stepped in, um, especially if there's a major play for that being a big seller for them. Like, I can't believe it's like your name is on the product and you're fully 100% accountable. But I also would hope you'd be working with people who have their finger on the pulse of fashion, who are aware of what's going on, who are looking out to make sure you're not infringing on somebody else's design work, who are focused on originality to a degree. But oftentimes I think you're literally picking stuff out of a showroom and you can't really design it yourself. Anyway, so I'm not trying to defend like people that blatantly copy people or are going after the, the cheap play of just making stuff somebody else has already made. What I'm saying is I think that you would hope somebody else in the process would, if, if there was something that glaring like that going on, like kind of like Rachel copying one of Julia's dresses, for example, you would think someone at some point would have been like, these are very, very similar. And Julia sells them at Nordstrom and they're identical to the point where people have like DM'd, uh, people posted, I think in my Facebook group, screenshots of DMing Julia and being like, hey, uh, have you seen this? And she just like sent back an emoji, like with a, a monocle or um, like, th- it was clearly like her affirming like, yes, this is it. And then the day that Rachel was wearing one of the identical dresses of Julia's, when she announced her line, Julia had a very like crit, uh, she like put up an immediate uh, story photo being like this style from last season on sale to be like I've I've had this for like over here, anyways. But that's different because I that wouldn't be a case where it was like a she picked out a design from a showroom that a fast fashion mass manufacturer made. Uh, that was just like a very weird uh, either deliberate copying or oversight that she Rachel directly copied one of Julia's dresses. Anyway, again, I like to assume, like, give people the benefit of the doubt, assume that they're not actively doing this, assume that it's actually the fault of somebody else and nobody stepped in. And you can say that, that every person should be totally aware of everything they're doing all the time, but even people with the most sophisticated teams in the world have huge missteps. Look at Kendall Jenner's Pepsi commercial. Do you know how many people that had to go through at every level, not only with, like, the, one of the biggest CBG companies in the world, wasn't it Ogilvy, like, one of the biggest agencies in the world? With, with Chris Jenner. I mean, I mean, think about the, the, the levels of people that sto- not only did it get approved in a storyboard form, then it was actually put into production and made and edited and approved. I mean, truly, like, I would have fired ever. I mean, I cannot. It, it's one of those things where when you are the person that is generating the money and you are the enterprise, you yourself are not scalable. You cannot be everywhere at once. You have giant teams of people thinking for you and doing everything for you and setting up everything for you in the most efficient manner possible so you can do the most and make the most and maximize while also not being overly in the weeds because being in the weeds actually is a very poor leader you need to work smarter not harder and to when people and i read on the forums people be like you need to have you need to be you know in absolutely every step of the process and i'm like well yes to a degree but also being a good leader and being a good business owner and being an effective leader in a position of growth is largely about outsourcing and is largely about delegating. In fact, it's mostly about outsourcing and delegating because the figure, the person at the helm of the business isn't responsible for growth and strategy and maintaining the health of the business overall. And that is not in the weeds. It's looking forward. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, anything I put my name on, I'm a psycho about. I'm sure she is too. Like, I think everybody wants their brand to be great. Everybody wants to be adding value, to be giving people what they want, to be making people happy. Who, who in their right mind is like, I'm okay putting out a product that's going to cause uproar 
horrible press, you know, no, like she doesn't want this. It's just like, where did it break down is what I cannot figure out. And like I was saying earlier, like she's not a business person. She's never been in this position. She literally has no choice but to learn on the fly. But she's a person that's going to be skimming because she's never practically worked in the field. So she's just like going to factories and having meetings and learning the best she can. But she probably doesn't get a lot of it. And she probably doesn't even know the right questions to ask half the time. And she's probably blindly trusting a lot of people. And if I've learned one thing in life, it's that everywhere you go, the rule is that people are full of bullshit. And the exception is finding the ones that aren't. And that's such a cynical way of looking at the world. But unfortunately, I just think, I I don't know. I just find that nobody ever knows what they're talking about anywhere I go. And I always feel like I'm, I, I find myself feeling stupid. Like, am I not getting this? Like what, what, what about this doesn't feel right or seem right? And then you just kind of want to assume that someone knows what they're talking about. But the older I get, the more I stand firmly. And that if somebody's explaining something to you and it's not making sense, and they're saying it over and over and in slightly different formats, and they're making you feel stupid, it means they have no idea what they're talking about. More often than not, you're not a moron. The other person is full of BS and doesn't know how to explain it in a way because people that understand problems, issues, solutions through and through can explain it so simply that anybody independent of industry will be able to understand what's going on at a basic level. And if you're not understanding, it's probably more so an issue of the communicator than the recipient. And just remember that not to have that inferiority complex everywhere you go and that not everybody is smarter than you or knows more than you, but that most people are kind of faking and bullshitting their way through life. And I hate to say that, but I've worked in a lot of like very um, different industries at this point, you know, be it in, in corporate marketing, on the client side, on the provider side, agency side. Then owning my own business, having to work with suppliers, work with manufacturers, change my manufacturing process, deal with defects, deal with quality errors, deal with shipping and logistics systems, third-party systems, deal with the publishers I worked with and the printers and marketing an entirely separate product. And like, I feel like in the past, you know, I don't know, five years, I've kind of straddled four different industries that are all so different, but all so similar in that. I enter them feeling like I am so inadequate. I'm so lost and like I'm asking questions and I feel stupid and I'm asking for things that people seem to think are too high of an expectation or too much of an overextension or this hasn't been asked or done that way before. This is unnecessary and I'm told exactly how it is done and how it will be done and I feel frustrated by the constraints of the industry that they're telling me are fact. And then I always come out of it realizing I was right the whole time and realizing I should have pushed more and realizing that all anybody cares about is themselves. Their motivation is just to like get out of the office. And sometimes it is worth pushing. And sometimes it is worth prying and asking deeper questions and just not hoping for the best because the reality of business is people aren't really acting in your best interest. They're acting best either in the best interest of the bottom line of their own company. And that's the best case scenario. But more often, it's just like, in the best interest of like, get me the hell out of here. I don't live to work, I work to live. And it's just a lot of people cutting corners. And I know I, it seems hypocritical to say I give everyone the benefit of the doubt, and then to be like, everybody's full of it. But what I mean is, I think that when somebody's name is on something, 
when somebody's like, it's your life's work. It's, it's her vocation. I mean, she's, she's done nothing else. Like this is her career. She's like 27. She has no reason to intentionally overlook and choose for her line to underperform and to disappoint the masses. It is, there's nothing about that. That's good. It's in fact, a huge disaster. And I imagine she is, she's beside herself. So the question becomes, where did it break down and whose fault is it? And what's important is that that maybe necessarily isn't publicly done. I'm just saying that to you because I think there's a lot of heat on her and I think she doesn't really know what happened. And I think there should be heat on her for how she responded to that fan that was messed up. There should be heat on her for that gloves thing that is clearly going to prove to not be true. What, What you cannot do in this instance, if it's not your fault, you cannot cut the corners, point the fingers, and collect the dollars, right? Like, if, if there was an issue, you have to own it. And even if it wasn't your direct fault, if you are the face and the leader of the brand, you take ownership on behalf of your brand and admit to the shortcomings of the process that was involved in having this d- defective issue. And then you give people's money back. And that's all you can do is just be honest, be accountable, take the blame, but take it in a graceful way that will make us understand. Like if you're transparent about what happened, the blame will become very clear. You don't need to be like, well, so-and-so did it. You can be like, well, we, our, us, like there's, there's ways to talk about your company and to take responsibility, but still lead us to believe that you had every intention to make this right in the first place, but it also explain how you're going to make it right going forward. And that's really all that matters. Like this stuff happens. Manufacturing defects happen. Samsung galaxies happen. Ikea Hemnes dressers happen. Like it's unfortunate and it's awful. And those two cases I just mentioned, lives were at stake. God forbid anyone actually gets seriously hurt by in the event these are not uh, safe to ingest. But oh, like truly, just cut the crap, cut the excuses, cut the PR angles. Like this is your brand. You don't have to save face for Morphe or save face Rebecca or makeup or whoever. Like reset, like press reset on Jacqueline Cosmetics and be an open and transparent brand that is like, I am new to this, but I am working with world-class facilities. I am not an experienced CEO. I have brought in a team of experts. We are always going to do our absolute best to provide you the best product, the safest product in the fastest way for the most reasonable price point that we deem to correlate with the quality. And we're going to work hard to continuously approve. And thank you for your feedback. And I always want you to be honest with me. And this was such a lesson on, you know, in so many levels. And going forward, this is how we're going to correct for it. It's just like, it's so easy to me. And I know like that probably wouldn't be well received in Twitterverse. Like Twitter's literally terrible. Um, but I just think that like the problem for her is that she's just like, oh, but I'm nice and I'm innocent. I love my family. And like, I just want to be me. And like, I don't know. I just keep like having quick reactions. I just want to get myself out of all of this, but <clears throat> it's just not working anymore. And even though I don't know if she's guilty or whatever happened, I just think she has no choice but to completely like wipe the slate clean and kind of rebrand, reset, rethink this whole product line and launch because even like not just the aesthetics, like everything about this just feels like the old Jacqueline. I feel like there's a real opportunity here for reinvention and um, it would be in her best interest to not only overhaul 
her products and her branding, but also to show us a new side of her unencumbered by her toxic relationship, unaffected by, you know, the distraction of her new one, uh, just really like be a business person <laughs> and treat things how you would a, a business person would. And it's not about emotion and it's not about the drama channels and it's not about the emotional reaction and how excited you are about the product. And like, there's none of the cutesy stuff, like just run it like a business and talk to us like we're intelligent people who understand that mistakes happen, but who also can see right through when you're completely just making excuses to save face. We're smarter than you think, you know, and I just think people deserve to at least feel like, you know, if, if they're spending their hard-earned money on a product because it's made by a person that they respect, that they're at least getting a fraction of that respect reciprocated. And as it stands now, in the past few days, she, the way she was interacting on Twitter, it was not leading with respect. It was leading with self-defense, self-preservation, and just really seemed to be in a cycle of her old habits that I don't think is the spirit we were hoping to really extract from this new Jacqueline, from the new Jacqueline Cosmetics, from this brand that's been teased for nearly a decade now. It just feels like a bunch of the same. And I'm hopeful that if anything, this kind of disastrous release is what she needs to kind of snap out of it, not be distracted and to really take it seriously. Because I think we're in an age now where you just cannot cruise off your subscribers, off your the huff of your prior success. You really do have to keep adding value. And yeah, I mean, you can look at it as a big failure of a launch. Great movie, failure to launch rather. Um, or you can look at it as a, as a huge opportunity to move forward more fearlessly because the worst has already happened. And there's a lot of uh, power in these types of mistakes in terms of how you handle it, how you accept responsibility and how you focus on improvement moving forward. And I just really, really hope for her that she leverages this as a way for her to personally and professionally evolve. But anyway, I will let you go. I've been, it, it's, it is very late. And again, I don't know if I'm even speaking in a tone that is, is, you're able to even enjoy listening to because it this might be so monotone. But what are you going to do? I figured timeliness is of the essence in this case. So as always, um, if you want to support the podcast, especially episodes like this where I don't have advertisers, patreon.com slash be there in five, all sorts of fun episodes with more private information. My uh, beauty uh, YouTube tutorial debut is on there after getting my first PR package. It's like a half parody, but half of a very serious uh, explanation of how I do eye makeup. Um, and also, I uh, would love if you wanted to leave a five-star review, rate, subscribe, review. You can reach me at podcast at be there in 5com Follow me on Instagram at be there in 5 Buy my book, Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star. The link is in the episode notes. And that ends my sales pitch. I am going to go to bed for two and a half hours. And I hope you are waking up well-rested and can enjoy this on your morning commute. I am honored to be a part of it. So with that, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.